0: Don't feel like you have to hide parts of yourself so that people will accept you. Don't feel like you have to hide so that you can seem better at your job because the things that make you vulnerable are what help people connect with you. Hey
1: everybody, welcome back to Tales from the Journey. I'm Stephanie Zamora and today I am here with Athea Salter who is a manifestation and mindset coach who has a very incredible body of work that she has created in the aftermath of really coming back from depression and anxiety after being orphaned in her teens and I'm just so excited to have you here and share your story thank you for taking the time thank you for having me I'm so glad to be here yeah I would love to start with you sharing just a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do
0: Sure. So when people ask me to share more about myself, I'm never really sure where the beginning is. Um, But most recently, I am a mindset and manifestation coach. And really, that came with my own struggles around finding my life's purpose. And so... In 2016, I went through this really challenging period of depression and anxiety around where should I go next in my life, what should I do next, and what if I do want to take a path that's different for everyone else, but I don't see anyone around me doing that. And so over that year, I really dove deep into mindset work, personal development work, took my first dive into consciously manifesting the life that I desired and by the end of that year it saw me moving overseas from Scotland to Australia and then from all the personal growth and lessons I learned over those years I then decided to teach other women how to not just manifest the life that they maybe dream of or think is okay for them but to manifest something bigger than that something far far bigger than that and manifest an extraordinary life and to really give people the permission to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's so important. You're so right that so often we settle for what we think we can do or what we think we Mm -hmm. should do. And we don't even know how to dream bigger. So I love that that's what you're doing. And I want to talk a ton about your work, but I would love to go back to the beginning. I know you shared that you were orphaned when you were 14, but take us back a little bit before that. Who was the IFIA as a teenager and what kind of happened from there?
0: Yes, sure. So I was actually adopted when I was three years old. So I lived with my adoptive parent and really I would say up until you know my mom got sick that I had a pretty normal childhood but my mom did end up getting sick when I was maybe 10 years old and so at that stage I was not just looking after myself but also looking after a parent who was extremely ill and I think the anxiety stemmed from that point because obviously it's like looking after your own life and keeping your own self together but then you have to be extremely conscious of how your parent is faring as well and then also my little brother and then my bigger sister so there's lot going on from a very early age that even you know up until people always think that the tipping point was like my mom passing away but even before that there was so much stress and anxiety around okay you like have to make everything
1: work yeah and you were so young do you feel like that forced you to grow up or had you already kind of been forced to grow up earlier
0: No, I definitely think from around age 10 and stuff, I really felt like I had to grow up from that age. And I remember like looking around and all my friends doing these things or going to see their their friends after school and having like all these normal things. I was like, wow, I just wish that my life could be normal. And so... Having that wish and that desire for my life to be normal was something that I actually carried with me for a really long time. And I had to break myself out of the pattern of, okay, you don't just have to have what they have. You can actually choose for yourself and decide for yourself. What do you truly want to have? What does the fear want to have? What does that life look like for you? And that took some real time to change my mindset around that, actually.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. What was it like to be grieving at such a young age? Um, To be honest, I definitely didn't give myself
0: really the time to grieve. I didn't feel like I had time for it, honestly. So the the day that I found out my mom passed away, I I never took any time off school. I even went to school that day because I was like, I can't fall behind. I can't fall behind in school because then what's going to happen? And so with a parent passing away when you're already adopted, it's like, okay, well, am I going to go back into the system or how is my life going to play out now? So I really felt that While at the same time, I wanted to have the same as everyone else. I also had this innate knowing that I was going to have to work harder than everyone else to get to the same place.
1: Yeah. Wow. I can't imagine. What did happen, if you don't mind sharing, after your mom passed? So
0: my sister and I did end up living with a family friend until we went to university. And yeah, I ended up staying at the same school, doing well in my grades and everything, getting into my dream university, um, graduated with a first class honours, and then I actually went back to do my master's a year later. So all those things I was never really sure whether it would actually work out for me did end up working out for me. But on the, um, well, I can't remember the word, on the flip side, I guess, is that I did put an immense amount of stress, um, pressure on myself to be perfect and to always excel and to always get the good grades. And, you know, that was also kind of one of the only forms of praise I was getting. It's like, oh, if you get good grades and people are going to be like, you're doing so well. So I would push myself so, so hard. And I would not just be at uni, I would also be working and volunteering and trying to give back and just doing so many things that I wasn't really giving myself time to just be or to connect with who I truly was.
1: Yeah. And you learned so much about personal growth and healing and and manifestation and all of these amazing things that we know once we discover them are so helpful and important for being who we're here to be in this life. Mm. At 14, losing your mom, did you have any kind of support or mentors or community that really helped you with the grief and the healing piece?
0: um so I was kind of part of a Buddhist community we grew up next to a Buddhist monastery so from the ages of like nine onwards we were Buddhist and there was a really good community aspect there and then also you know friends in school and things like that and I actually did go to therapy when I was younger for a little bit but it's I've been to therapy a couple of times and it's never really it's never really stuck for me I think therapy is incredibly important and therapists do such great work But you have to find the person that you connect with and, you know, it is like any other relationship you have to get along well. So you shouldn't just think that the first therapist you find is going to be the right fit for you. And so... For me, growing up in Scotland, growing up in the UK, where we do have that free public health system is incredible. But as a result of that, it also means there are some shortages. So you don't have the option of changing your therapist around or finding someone that's better suited for you. It's like, this is all we have. And if that doesn't work out, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to find your own way. So that was actually what I ended up doing. I did venture into therapy a couple of different times, but it never really felt like that connection that I needed to have to be able to open up.
1: Yeah, what did you, what did you do with yourself when you couldn't get that support from therapy? Um, so it was something that
0: I had to really even campaign for in the first place. There was a period of about six months where I would keep saying like I need to see someone. I really this was like when I was a lot older. In the younger years, I didn't really think therapy was something I needed, which I guess is something you don't really think you need as a teenager, especially when terms like you know, and anxiety and depression are so new as well. This is nowhere near like um, have the visibility that they have now. And I remember actually when I was younger going to the doctor and be like, hey, I have um, really bad insomnia. So if you could just give me some medication so I can sleep. And she's like, okay, and then was like asking me like how this was manifesting for me and what other symptoms are coming up. And she's like, okay, like I don't think it's just the insomnia. I think this is a side effect of depression. I was like, depression? Like, what's depression? Why am I experiencing depression? Yeah. No one has depression. <laughs> I didn't really get it at all. So actually, understanding that at an earlier age, I guess, it was a blessing because then when it did emerge in later life, when I was in uni and I was maybe twenty years old, I was like oh, this feeling that I'm having, this is actually not how everyone else views life. Because when I was younger, I I thought that was how everyone experienced life. I was like, I thought everyone was like constantly worried about like life happening. Oh, okay, this is not how people function, (laughs) cool. So then when it came up in my later life, I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to be feeling like this. And I know I'm not supposed to be feeling like this. But I would go to doctors and they'd be like, it's probably just like a bit of stress from uni or oh just talk to your friends and then just like i felt like i was pushing so hard that it just wasn't worth it for me anymore so i just gave up and after that i just kind of fell into that depression spiral really and i just felt like no one was taking me seriously and at that point I, it was actually a friend who helped me get support from um, a doctors and the therapist actually came with me to the doctors and was like, look, she really needs help and mm-hmm. you need to be doing a better job here. And I think if they hadn't came with me, then, you know, I really don't know whether I would have got that support in the end.
1: Yeah. Was there a particular moment or experience that led you to say, like, I, like, just to know for yourself, I can't do this anymore? Um, It was just an
0: overarching feeling it was especially in my master's year of university when I went back to uni I knew from the first like month or so I knew that I didn't really want to be continuing with that course and I had just done that course because I wasn't really sure what to do next and I had a lot of fear and anxiety around finishing uni and being out in the world on my own because if you are in the care system you have what's called kind of like leaving care support workers and they support you from the age that you're no longer a minor while you're still in university but after you finish university like that's it no more emails no more calls no more support nothing so it's like okay if i just then extend, extend it another year then i'm still going to have that support to rely on but i didn't actually want to truly be doing the masters so the stress of i don't actually want to be here really just began to build and I just had like it's almost like you're at war with yourself because you're like forcing yourself to do something that you know isn't right anyway so it was really a culmination of all the feelings around that still having the stress and anxiety around what's going to happen next and there was a point when I'd stopped going to uni for maybe like six weeks or something and one of my lecturers had emailed me like hey are you doing okay you've missed one of your entire modules like we've not seen you for a while and I was like yeah I don't know how I'm gonna like face going back into that classroom
1: yeah. I can only imagine how much more anxiety that must have like, layered on top of the anxiety you already have to be like, mm-hmm. you've been on this path for so much of your life, striving to achieve the things you felt like you needed to achieve and then to feel like you couldn't. That must have been mm. intense.
0: Yeah. De- <laughs> intense is definitely the word.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like you had some good friends throughout your life that really supported you and didn't find the therapist that really worked for you unfortunately which i can relate to i actually didn't know that therapy was a good thing i tried it when i was younger and it wasn't until after my loss and after a traumatic relationship that i was in because of my ptsd that i found an amazing and incredible therapist and i was just like oh <laughs> this really can work but how did you how did you start the process of really coming home to yourself and figuring out what was right for you and your path and, and how to kind of pull yourself out of the anxiety and depression?
0: Um, so although therapy didn't work out, I think it was definitely a catalyst to say, okay, I need to make some changes in my life. And at that point I did start diving deep into my own kind of personal journey around personal development books and surrounding myself with like really uplifting people and set out a vision for what I wanted the next year of my life to look like. And so people often see moving abroad as like an escape or a solution or a fix to a problem. But I knew that if I didn't address everything that was going on first, that it it wouldn't make any difference that I would get there and I would still feel miserable and anxious and depressed and there just wouldn't be any point in that. So Having that to look forward to was great, but I knew that in order to actually be able to go on the trip, I would need to feel comfortable in myself. So really diving into the personal development work from a place of, I want to feel, you know, I just want to feel, it wasn't even that I wanted to feel happy all the time. I just wanted not to be miserable all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did you uncover like personal development as a whole? Was it your relationship to Buddhism growing up? Was it something else?
0: Um, Yeah, so I guess my relationship to Buddhism had always introduced the concepts like mindfulness and meditation to me. But in terms of like consciously manifesting, that was something that came to me through. Um, I was actually in a network marketing company and through the people that I had met in that company, we recommended lots of personal development books. And one of my friends in particular, she was kind of talking about these things on her Instagram. And I was like, oh, this is something that I would probably like to explore a little bit more on my own. So really from there. And of course, as everyone does, I watch The Secret and that's kind of like the <laughs> gateway entry. You're like, oh, my mind's been opened now.
1: Yeah. I actually have never seen The Secret. I feel like that always shocks people because I have (laughs) such a strong relationship to manifesting and the whole Mm. process. What I feel like everyone has that first or second or third, that early on book or expert or something that really helped them. What was that for you?
0: So the first ever personal development book I read was Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And I really loved that book, it's just such a simple concept, but the way that she expresses it, just, it really hit home for me. I really loved that. The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, about streamlining your morning routine. Those were two that I remember being particularly important to me. And also this book that I was actually gifted by one of my mentors was Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg about women taking leadership positions in the workplace. And I had been previously someone who had never really seen myself as someone who could be a leader, even though I was in so many leadership roles, I never actually saw myself in that position. And then reading that book, I was like, oh, this is actually what I want to do. This is actually how I enjoy showing up in the world. And that book almost gave me that permission to step into that leadership role.
1: Yeah. I love that. I, there's so many books that I think we can all name and so many books that we never know about until someone else names them. And I personally had no idea that personal growth personal development work was a thing. Um, so I always love hearing what other people have read or learned from. Share with us the process of how you really painted that vision for yourself for that next year of your life. And, and how did you even manage to tap into like, this is who I want to be. And this is what I want my life to look like.
0: I think it was first a place of accepting, you know, so many people who you want to move on to the next place of your life but you have to accept where you're currently at and so getting to a a place where i could truly accept where i was at at the moment and understand i am not happy here but this is where i'm at in the moment and when you are at that place you have to still like completely love and accept yourself at that place even though it's not where you want to be so definitely a lot of self-love around where i was currently at but also having People around me who inspired me to dream bigger than where I was currently at and who, you know, allowed me to dream outside the confines of my own mind, which, you know, when you are struggling with depression and anxiety, it can, you do have a really limited worldview that can be challenging to break out of. And you do need those almost expanders around you who show you that there is more and you have to kind of just have to like hold their hand and be like, take me with you (laughs) Um, and (laughs) until you can, you know, let go and do it by yourself. So I think just having those inspiring people around me that I saw doing amazing things made me feel like, okay, maybe I could do something amazing too.
1: Yeah. What was your relationship to grief throughout all of this? I think, you know, it was
0: something that I definitely revisited when I went to therapy and It's something that, you know, grief never goes away. It's something that you just learn to walk alongside and there will be moments and you think, oh, it's completely gone. And then there'll be just like a memory or, you know, for me, especially like things like Mother's Day or Father's Day, for me, I'm just like, oh, again, we thought that this had gone to bed. And I think you just have to have this like deep sense of self-compassion around knowing that this is just part of your journey and part of your story. And a blessing to come out of it is that I have such a sense of empathy for other people who are experiencing something similar or empathy for, you know, not even exactly the same situation, but anyone who's dealing with loss, anyone who's dealing with depression or anxiety, I can connect with them on a much deeper level. So that is a gift.
1: Yeah. Did you find that you created or came across any different types of parental roles to kind of fill the void that you had? I mean I wouldn't say that
0: my social workers really fill that role although they have that kind of a stand in parent role I wouldn't really say that I would say I had some really great friend support but obviously you can't really rely on your friends for everything so I guess I just became my own parent in a way in parenting myself through the things like okay like if there was a version of me who had their life together like what would she say to me right now and I guess it's it's almost like that higher self connection. Like I always had that connection, but I didn't necessarily always let that come through or know how to connect with it. So being still, I'm being able to listen to my intuition.
1: Yeah. That's so important. That was a game changer for me to realize that, oh, that little voice that I keep hearing is pretty smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you took that year, well, you painted the picture of what you wanted that year to look like and you made the move and what happened next for you? So
0: the move actually didn't go according to plan. I was intending on moving overseas to Australia with one of my friends and about three weeks before we were due to go, my friend was like, I'm not coming anymore. You should probably go by yourself. And I was truly devastated, but um, at the same time I had, can I... there was the, oh my God, am I going to be able to go by myself? But also at the same time, I'd given up my apartment, I'd given up my job. I had told everyone I was leaving. I was like, I kind of have to leave. So I had a lot of fear around doing that trip by myself. And also before we even got to Australia, there was meant to be a period of seven weeks where we were traveling through Southeast Asia. And while, you know, moving to Australia is something that everyone did, that traveling around by myself in Asia was definitely something that really scared me. But I did it. I managed to get on the plane. I remember crying my eyes out on the plane, like, what have I done? And then getting off the plane is like a click. It was like, wow, this is incredible. And actually having those first seven weeks of traveling alone was so important for building my confidence and showing me. Okay, I thought it was going to be really difficult to make friends. It took me two hours to make a friend. Okay, I thought it was going to be really difficult to navigate. I can't really read a map, but here I am getting lost and kind of enjoying it. So it helped me have a shift in perspective, which was really useful for them moving to Australia and already having my mind expanded and opened in that I found the move actually incredibly easy. It didn't take me long to get a job. It didn't take me long to find an apartment. It didn't take me long to build those connections, which I think is something everyone worries about moving to you know, a completely new country where you know literally no one. And I think I knew one girl who was a mutual friend that I hadn't really hung out with back in Scotland, but we ended up starting a friendship over in Australia, but she was the only one person that I knew in this completely new country. And I guess in some ways it gives you a chance to reinvent yourself. But I didn't feel like I was fashioning myself into someone completely new. I just felt that I had been, I finally became confident in who I already was.
1: Mm, yeah, that's incredible. I love that so much. And, and I talk a lot about, I haven't moved to another country all by myself, but I have definitely moved places where I don't know anybody and traveled solo. I, I still travel solo quite a bit and there's something so, terrifying and empowering about sending yourself off into the world and having no idea what you're going to encounter and just kind of figuring it out as you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think terrifying and exciting is such an incredible explanation. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And And then you
1: learn so much about yourself.
0: You do. And things, you know, you wouldn't even expect to learn and you learn also, something that I learned is like boundaries around saying like, I actually don't want to do this or I don't want to come on the strip and I would rather not drink today or, you know, and saying those things that maybe in social situations you feel like, oh, the peer pressure. I actually learned to have really strong boundaries from traveling by myself.
1: Yeah. Why do you think that was? Why do you think that was different? Um, I think, you know,
0: I'd never been tested in a situation like that before where i was like you know when you travel with someone else you have to always consider the opinion of other people and you have to consider what the group wants what your friends are doing but when you're truly by yourself you're like well i'm the only one who's going to be left with these memories it's also my money that i'm spending so and also the most important thing is it's your energy that you're spending so where do i want my energy to truly go And I think after that first solo trip, it gave me the confidence to travel solo in that I think I've now been to maybe 10 countries alone. And every time I go, it's always that um, sense of exploration and connection, both outwardly, but also internally as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you got there and everything fell into place, which I love. And I feel like For a lot of these big life changes and transitions, like that decision comes first, and then we really start to organize ourselves around what it is that we're doing and what we want, and things tend to line up more easily. Was there anything, though, that was a struggle or a challenge? I can honestly say no,
0: there were things that I thought would be challenging or that I thought would be a strong. Most of the challenges happened before I actually left. Like it was like the day before, you know, I was about to catch my flight in six hours. I still didn't have insurance yet. I wasn't sure where I was going to stay and I'm like panicking trying to organize all of these things. But you learn when you're actually out there that most things, as long as you have a passport and a bit of money can be easily resolved.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I have figured out some crazy things in my solo travels that if you were to think about them beforehand, it's just, it feels impossible. But when you're in the moment, there's nothing to do, but figure it out. Absolutely. And so what happened next? How did you go from moving and starting over and doing your own healing and growth work that entire time to the work that you do now?
0: so during that time i also was blogging i've been blogging for eight years and i was initially you know my blog has evolved so much over the years so it kind of evolved when i started traveling it evolved into sharing my stories about traveling and how i'd solo traveled and particularly for black women who were new to solo traveling because when you don't see so many people like you traveling, you always want to reach out and you want to ask people, how have you experienced a country? And I was getting a lot of that, um, people messaging me asking how I'd experienced a country or how I'd been received. So something that I was writing about a lot. And I then actually ended up writing an ebook all about solo travel and how to take that for a solo trip. But I realized um, in the process of writing that book that what most people struggled with was not the travel or the trip itself. It was the confidence. How do you have the confidence to do something different? How do you have the confidence when you're out there? How do you, you know, build that sense of connection? So that was something that I really related back to my own kind of spiritual practices. And when you show up in the online space, you are taught, you know, pick a niche and stick to your niche. And so the niche I had picked for myself was travel, even though it wasn't necessarily the biggest part of my life. It's something that I enjoyed to do. It's something I really love to talk about but it was never the biggest piece of my life. And I felt that the portrayal I had online was really showing like Mm. travel like 99% of the pie chart and then 1% (laughs) of everything else. And so I kind of just shifted and evolved into talking about things that were more me. And while I was travel blogging as well, at that time I decided, okay, I would really love to work for myself. And I decided to start a business in digital marketing, which is what my degrees were in. And I was so excited, started the business. And then after those first few months, it was like, "Hmm, I've started a business in something that I'm not actually passionate about just for the sake of starting a business. And I actually stuck with it for maybe over a year Until I was working with my own coach and she asked me, we keep setting all these goals around business. And then I'd show up every week just (laughs) exhausted and so flat out. And she would just, one day I remember she just asked me, she's like, do you actually want to do this? And I was like, no, 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 I don't. (laughs) Um, So we had this discussion and she's like, okay, well, why don't you just take a couple of weeks away from posting anything, sharing anything, doing any work related to that. And then when you feel like it, you can just go back. And if you don't feel like going back, don't go back and I didn't feel like going back so I didn't and I didn't know what it was going to evolve into evolve into afterwards I just knew that I didn't want to keep going down that path when it was really stealing my joy so evolving into kind of sharing more personal development and spiritual pieces I didn't know that I was going to coach people in that I just knew that I wanted to share that message and it's funny, I like blanking my mind between starting sharing more about that and actually deciding to have a coaching business. Just one day I woke up and I had a coaching business <laughs> and it just made sense. So I, I can't even say the moment that I decided to have a coaching business, because I truly don't remember. I don't even know how it came about. I just know that one day I was like, no, this is it. I need to, I need to help other women get here. And I'm going to share everything that I've learned in a really grounded way, because I feel for a lot of people who are maybe new to the spirituality space or not even new to the space it can feel so so far away and it can feel like how do I connect to all these concepts that seem so out there and so for me it was very important to tie together not only the spirituality but also the strategy and also like okay what kind of like neuroscience techniques tie into this as well and connecting everything together so that people could really understand the concepts and then also something else was that I wanted to be another example for black women and you know my work isn't specifically only for black people but something that i found was that i found it really difficult to see other black women in spirituality spaces and when you don't see people that look like you you wonder am i invited to the table and all of the podcasts that i would see all of the top tens and all of the coaches that people would recommend and all of the people that would be invited to guest coaches were all white people and it's like okay if we are making this you know, the spirituality space is so open and welcoming. You can get so many incredible things from it, but it's not welcoming enough to everyone in that space. And this isn't just black people, this is disabled people, this is trans, you know, LGBTQ people. And I just didn't feel that there was enough inclusivity that I was seeing. And I was like, okay, if I'm not seeing enough, then I'm going to create it myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did you like, You had the marketing, the digital marketing business. Was there a process for you to switch it over to coaching or was it just organic?
0: Um, So just immediately stopping everything that was related to that business. And I had had a business coach who had kind of mentored me for the process of setting up that business. So I knew some kind of basics around, okay, when you want to start a business, these are kind of the steps that you need to go through. So for coaching, I guess I just applied some of the lessons I'd learned to that and applied it over to starting my own coaching business. And then I also, I've had an accountability partner for the past two and a half years. And we have both kind of evolved our journeys from initially being in the travel space and moving more (laughs) into the coaching space. So our journeys are kind of parallel in that way. And it was good having someone to relay back and forth with as we were both shifting our journeys and kind of helping each other evolve and grow as well. So one of the first things I did was I had um, a Facebook group, which at the time, again, I was feeling this like, okay, spirituality and mindset and growth is really important to me, but I don't know how it's going to fit into the travel sphere. So I had something that I did inside in like 2018 was I had this Facebook group that was high vibe blogger tribe. And it was for bloggers who wanted to learn more about how to apply mindset and manifestation to growing a blog. And so when I decided to venture more into expressing myself spiritually, I was like, okay, this group, I'm going to change it to being not just for bloggers, but for anyone who wants to explore that area. So I remember going in there and being like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell everyone that I'm completely (laughs) changing. I'm like, okay, if you're no longer interested, but if you are, I would love if you wanted to stay around. So kind of evolving that Facebook group, I guess was a really big step for me and seeing that people were receptive to it and open to it. I think there is um but in the spirituality space there is a kind of fear around expressing like oh I'm gonna have to share all these concepts with people and people from like my past or even you know existing friends are gonna think she's crazy what is she talking about (laughs) so you know I guess testing the waters with the Facebook group was like okay cool good to go and then I just started talking about it and I remember I did have such a resistance for a long time on my Instagram of Sharing things, I was like, you know, do people actually want to hear about this? It's important to me, but is it going to be important to other people? And finally, what it came down to was I just had to start living my truth truly all the time, and there would been I could see the points in my life where things had kind of not gone as planned and not going to expected because I hadn't been living my truth. I'd been living someone else's truth. I've been living the truth that I thought I should be living. I just like the road ahead for me has to be lined with total truth and authenticity. Mm. And if I don't share what's on my heart, then I'm not living in alignment with who I truly am.
1: Yeah. I can so relate to that. Uh- And it's funny. I, when I first started my business, it was like coaching for cause or branding for cause driven entrepreneurs. And I decided to change it. I was going to coach women going through the quarter life crisis or anyone going through the quarter life crisis. And I didn't even announce it. I just like changed the banner on my email and just started talking about the new thing. But I had, when I first started really sharing the things I wanted to talk about around personal growth and healing and finding your purpose. Um, I blogged anonymously for a while and I was so scared Mm. to put my work out there. And this, this is back when Facebook was chronological. So it was very easy to bury your own posts. I would like post something and then I would bury it with a bunch of stuff. And um, yeah, it was really scary, but I was pleasantly surprised that people were really open to hearing what I had to say and and for me to share that part of myself and that's continued to be true. Was was that the case for you or did you receive any pushback from people in your spirit? No, no. People were, yeah,
0: very receptive to what I had to say and what I had to share. And, you know, I did say like, if this isn't for you, that's totally fine and you don't have to stick around. I won't be offended. So giving people that out as
1: well. Yeah. Was there any? process or any tools or support you had in really stepping into your truth in that way. I know for myself and for so many, it's it's absolutely terrifying to start doing that.
0: I think just the fact that I become more confident in myself and leaning into my own spiritual practices like meditation and journaling meditation was something that i really began to take very seriously in 2019 and i decided to begin okay i'll just meditate every day for a week and see how it goes and then now we're coming up for 600 days of consecutively med- meditating. Wow. And it just makes, it makes the hugest difference. And especially as someone who's still, you know, I still experience anxiety. It's not something that I think ever totally goes away. You just learn ways to manage it. And for me, starting the morning with meditation is something that helps to keep me grounded and keeps me centered, keeps me focused. And journaling is another way that I can connect with myself, connect with my truth. So those two practices are huge staples. And I think for anyone who is in this process of self-discovery or you feel like you're making a major shift in your life, make sure that you're regularly, you know, not just communicating with other people about your ideas, but you're communicating with yourself about your ideas because that is the person who matters most.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we have so much wisdom, especially when we're finally aligned with our purpose work and our our purpose work evolves as we do. I, I feel that to be very true. It's been true for me and a lot of my clients, but we're like the wisdom is already there and if we can just develop those practices to tap into our truth it's it's just much easier absolutely i would love to hear i think a lot of people are afraid to do their work and to show up in service of others and to tell their truth because they're still dealing with or going through or struggling with the things that they're trying to help others with, whether it's Mm -hmm. grief or depression or trauma. I know for me, my trauma is a constant work in progress and I've come a long way and I feel very equipped to support my people. And it's something that I work on and I still have panic attacks and I, I still have my grief come up and I would love to hear from you. What is your process been around supporting others while also, you know, tending to your own anxiety and maybe even depression and grief?
0: I think it's honoring your own journey and knowing that if there's something that you've overcome, that it's something that you can help other people with. So I know for many people, they say I want to start coaching I want to start coaching it's like okay have you gone through an experience that you could help other people with and if you're at the very beginning of your journey it might not be time for you just yet because you do need to understand and have applied what you're talking about and I know that it can sound like a like really fun industry to get into and it is I love I love what I do so much but there is a lot of work and you need to be kind of like your number one client for life basically so having those practices and tools that you can use on yourself is great and the fact that you've gone through struggles or might be going through struggles doesn't make you a like less worthy coach it actually makes you a better coach because you can coach yourself and say okay there was a time when i went through this and this is the process that i use for this this might work for you if not we can try something different and i think it opens your mind to trying many different practices and seeing what fits but also you know, there are words that I try not to use and things like healed or fixed are, I find to be problematic words because it implies that there's an end date or a finish point when there just isn't. And, you know, I work with my clients and I see them have incredible transformations, amazing transformations. I know still after the they coach with me that they're going to have challenges come up. They're going to have times when they want to give up. And that doesn't mean that I haven't done my job, but what my job is to do is to equip them with the tools so that when those do come up, they're better equipped. It's to equip them with the knowledge. By the way, you are going to have challenges come up and it's going to feel like you're going backwards, but this is part of the process. You cannot go back now. You're yeah. already <laughs> so far gone. There, there is no going back. That ship has sailed. That ship sailed a really long time ago. So in honoring your own healing journey you're able to help other people step into theirs and along with dealing with you know anxiety depression I also suffer from chronic illness I have endometriosis and that will see you know some weeks of the month I just can't even work I can't even get out of bed and before that was something that I really struggled to share with people especially because with endometriosis it takes a very long time to get a diagnosis and it's almost like up until that point you feel like you're being gaslighted by your doctors you're yeah. like you're fine you're fine i'm like i'm clearly not fine and they're like no this is normal this is normal and it was such a challenging time because in my heart i knew intuitively that something was wrong and again it was that period of like having to go to doctors over and over again knowing that something's wrong and then telling you that there's nothing that we can do or that there's nothing wrong with you and so finally getting a diagnosis after seven years And feeling like I had to push so hard for it. I almost had this, like, underlying belief of, like, people aren't going to believe me or people aren't going to understand. So when it came to sharing online, I really stayed away from sharing it online. One, because firstly, it was something I didn't entirely understand myself. But two, because I did have that fear around, I have tried talking to so many people about this. And it has taken so long to even get, like, a chance to, like, openly speak. So... I guess it was almost that sense of like rejection again, like feeling like oh, I'm going to be rejected if I talk about this. So actually coming to terms with what is going on with yourself is something that you need to do and able to be able to talk to other people. So accept these things accept these parts of you accept the shadow accept the parts that are less like sexy to show up and talk about and not necessarily saying like when you're in the middle of a mental breakdown or in the middle of like a depressed state that you have to show up and talk to people about it but mentioning that it's something you deal with is not something that you should be ashamed of and you know, a lot of my clients have experienced therapy in the past or are still experiencing therapy and coaching and therapy are very different. And I wouldn't want to like dissuade someone from trying therapy, even though it didn't work out for me, because I know it can be an incredibly powerful tool. Or, you know, for example, one of my clients is currently struggling with chronic pain. And I just openly said to her on the last call, I was like, I can really empathize and relate to what you're going through because i have that as one well and enabled me to connect with her on that deeper level because especially when you're dealing with chronic pain it's like oh like you know i'm 27 why do i feel like i have the body of like an eight-year-old and there are all these things and experiences that i want to be doing and i simply can't because my body doesn't want to cooperate with me so yes not all the time i will want to share a hundred percent of everything that's going on with me and i think you shouldn't necessarily do that. You shouldn't feel like you need to share 100% of your life online. There are some things that you will want to keep sacred. There are some things that you should keep sacred. But don't feel like you are hiding it because you're scared of what people say. Don't feel like you have to hide parts of yourself so that people will accept you. Don't feel like you have to hide so that you can seem better at your job because the things that make you vulnerable are what help people connect with you. The things that make you vulnerable are you connecting with your true self and that is you being your most authentic. So in dealing with these struggles, know that it doesn't make you any less worthy and it doesn't mean that you are not equipped for this role. It just means that you will have some extra things to navigate and how you choose to share that with the world is completely up to you, but don't feel like you have to hide it because of what other people will think.
1: Yeah. That was a long oh answer, but... No, perfect. <laughs> I love it. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, before we talk about your work and where people can find you, what's one thing that you wish you know if you could go back to before your loss, when your mom was sick, or right then or right after? What's one thing that you would tell yourself?
0: Mm, wow, just one thing. Um, I think it would be around... My relationship to change because that was something that, even up until a couple of years ago, something I really, really struggled with. And I felt like, you know, if you control a situation, then nothing bad is going to happen. But bad, bad inadvertent commas, things will still happen regardless of how much or how tightly you try to hold on. And, you know, the only thing you can rely on is that things are going to change. So if I could give myself any advice, it would be build your resilience in relationship. To change because things are always going to be changing and there's nothing that you can do about it. All that you can do is control how you react, how you show up and who you let in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That changed my life as well when I, when I really learned that. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And we're going to link to all of your amazingness. I know you have the podcast, you have a beautiful website and such a great body of work, but tell people where they can find you, um, how they can learn from you and work with you.
0: Amazing. Um, So thank you, first of all. Um, So you can work with me through one-on-one coaching. I have just actually reopened my one-on-one mindset and manifestation coaching. And this is really for ambitious women who want to take that next step in their life. And, you know, not just for that dream life, but for an extraordinary life, a life outside the norm, and who have really been feeling up until this point, there is something that has been holding them back. So it's about overcoming those limiting beliefs, gaining clarity on what it is you actually truly desire to do, and learning how to apply manifestation to that from a grounded perspective, using my five-step framework for effortless manifestation. So throughout the course of the one-on-one coaching, that's something that I work alongside with you to do. And so I also have my course, Conscious Alchemy, which is an instant access course, which takes you through five modules, which are each of the steps of my framework for manifestation, and how you can actually apply that to your life. I think it's really important that, you know, you can go out there here and listen to all these things and read all these things, but actually applying it with practical tips and, um, exercises that you can use on your own life is so crucial. So that course has both the videos and workbooks that you can use to practically apply. And then of course, my Instagram, aphiasalta underscore, and my podcast, the manifest edit.
1: Yeah. Your podcast is amazing. I was listening to some episodes before we got on and it's, It's great. I think everybody should go check it out. Manifest Edit. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Ithia, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your journey and everything that you've learned and how you've really incorporated and implied it to your own life as well as the lives of others. I think it's been such an incredible conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv free, including access to an eight-week sampler of our renowned journey mapping program that gives you instant access to impactful training lessons, life-changing exercises, and our signature AccuSesh processes that you can implement immediately. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community. So please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast podcast. podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.